When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top rated sports book. Sign up today using the code CHGO. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me in this remote version is Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber and Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We are very excited for this episode. I am back from Vegas, uh, which was a, a very fun time. Thank you to Janice Scurio for filling in uh, over the past week. It was great to see her on the CHGO White Sox podcast. Um, but since we're back, we got to update you on the managerial uh, search for the Chicago White Sox. And we are reviewing one of the most important players to the 2022 Chicago White Sox Dylan sees. But before we jump into that, uh, I wanted to have this topic. I think it was last Sunday before the World Series started. And now that the Astros have lost a game, the 2005 White Sox uh, now don't have to worry about the Astros going undefeated uh, this postseason. Does it mean anything, Herb, that the White Sox 2005 11 and one run is now, quote unquote, safe? I guess, you know, usually for a regular team, no, because, you know, it's arbitrary, doesn't really matter. But since, you know, it happened, national media, some local media, of not purposely, but it has been a race through the annals. Like the 2005 White Sox have won the World Series, period. And then secondly, how well they played in that year. So, yeah, it's very good to have uh, the White Sox still be one of the best, if not the best team in the modern era of playoff baseball. And so only the Astros can uh, only tie their record and they might be considered a better team overall when people look as for historians but they can't beat it and it can't be like this immaculate playoff series or playoff run for the houston astros which i would think for the national media would do the nail in the coffin for the 2005 world series winning white Sox as far as talking about them as one of the best teams in modern playoff history You had the 1999 Yankees go 11 and one, and then you had the 1976 Reds go seven and the White Sox also going 11 and one in 2005. Uh, Vinny doesn't matter at all. Um, I, I also was asking, maybe you like this question. Uh, Mercury Morris of the 1972 Dolphins <laughs> always pops a bottle of champagne. So, is there a Mercury Morris of the 2005 White Sox? Uh, not that I know of, uh, you know, obviously those guys are, are hanging around a bit and they've kind of become 85, the, the new 85 bears in this town where you see them at all the, uh, 
you know, the, the reunions and they're popping up at the, at the ballpark all the time, but uh, no, it doesn't matter uh, in my opinion, you know, as somebody who, who I, I think it's just uh, some more, uh, you know, classic. And, and I think, and I hope this comes off as a compliment because it's meant as one, but classic chip on the shoulder for white Sox fans, you know, just looking, <laughs> looking for a reason to be mad at somebody uh, because they, they got slighted in some way. And uh, um, you know, so it's, it's fun in that regard, but uh, certainly every time that, you know, there's some sort of graphic on an ESPN broadcast or something like that, that uh, accidentally excludes the White Sox. I always have to roll my eyes because everybody's going to get all mad about it on Twitter and I have to see about it. But, uh, uh, but no, it it doesn't matter. You have your fond memories and another team, uh, another team, you know, a decade and a half later uh, accomplishing the same, uh, the same thing is not going to change those memories for anybody. I don't think. Um, and you brought up just, uh, you know, Twitter profiles. And I, I know you don't love Twitter profiles, but we're going to be talking about managers in a second. And I ended up finding uh, Matt Quattraro's uh, Twitter uh, profile. And uh, his profile picture is a Deadhead uh, logo. He's got, the, ah. he's got the skull and everything. So there you go. You know, I might hey, have a new favorite in the uh, search here, at least. That's, that's what I was saying. And it's, it's based off his Twitter profile, which you, you know, pro- probably can never say that you love somebody's Twitter profile. Um, but yeah, <laughs> do we have any view on where the... World Series is going to end. Do we have a vibe on on who's going to win? I'm surprised that it's 1-1 right now. Me too. I just thought the Houston Astros, and they are. They're the far superior team. But Philly doesn't quit. Like, down 5 nothing after the third inning in the first game, and to come back and win that game shows the resilience, the toughness, and the talent they still have on their team. And they haven't really even shown, like, what they have done mostly in the playoffs yesterday's game with uh, Fran Valdez doing what he did. Mercy. You can't do anything about that, but I think Houston will win the three games in Philadelphia, win the series four games to one. Uh, But Philly won't quit. They won't give up. And it's good to see that they have uh, shown that a team that doesn't necessarily play spectacular defense is uh, long ball driven and has good pitchers. Not, I mean, they have one great pitcher right now with Wheeler and a lot of good pitchers in there with Nolan, et cetera, and Ronda Suarez. That gives the White Sox fans in my hope, in my estimation, hope for the future, knowing that it's not too far away from the White Sox getting into the World Series because you see the Philadelphia Phillies. We've said it all year long. Those are the National League White Sox. So it's good to see them giving their effort. But a Houston is a juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, you listen, it, all you can ask for is as, as somebody who is not rooting for one of these two teams is, is for exciting, entertaining games. And uh, certainly I think game one fell into that category. So uh, a few more of those would be uh, wonderful from just a, uh, an outside observer's perspective. Uh, and uh, listen, the Astros are really, really good. I think we've been all saying all along that this is the Astros series to take, but uh, if the Phillies can keep fighting and that's fighting with a pH, uh, <laughs> then uh, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be a little bit more fun to watch along the way i think yeah i said astros in five so if that is the end result i think it's probably going to be a boring world series so hopefully we could see the phils put up that fight uh and again make sure you're spelling it with a ph uh let's jump in to some managerial news uh first off this is the most recent news to come out uh from scott merkin he released this yesterday the headline at uh, mlb.com slash white Sox: white Sox rule out espada as manager search continues and uh merk continues The question has yet to be answered, and the organization is keeping the candidates quiet during the ongoing process. It will not be Houston bench coach Joe 
Zapata, who interviewed for the position, but is out of the running as confirmed to MLB.com by a source this weekend. The White Sox have not confirmed the news. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn declined via text to comment on the managerial search until someone is named to replace Tony La Russa. So we don't know the full managerial interview list. We don't know, you know, who is currently in contention. But we know one guy's out of contention. Um, are we surprised by the report here from Merck that Joe Espada is no longer being considered? I'm slightly surprised just because the World Series isn't over. This seems to me, I mean, if you're getting out of it, it had to be one of the other one of the parties saying, I'm out, either the White Sox or Joe Espada's crew. Uh, if it's Joe Espada's crew saying he's out, I mean, to turn down a Major League Baseball job, manager job, would be kind of odd but i would see that as okay i'm gonna be the succeeding guy here when dusty does leave so i don't want to mess anything up if the white Sox are out i'm very surprised because he is the best candidate out there available and to not go to the lengths and to get a second interview after the world series i would be very shocked in that regard so i i just hope they don't they didn't reject joe espada to get Ozzyian. I love Ozzyian, but Joe Espada is the best candidate for this team moving forward. Ozzy's always going to have a special place in my heart. He can never do a lot of wrong with me. You know, his words are a little, you know, time are a little weird from time to time. But for the most part, if they do eventually hire him, I'm like, all right, fine. But if they did that, you know, rejecting Joe Espada, which I don't know, to get to Ozzy, I'm like, ah, that's not the right move. So I just hope that all things work out well. Joe Espada just takes over the Houston job. The White Sox get a quality manager going forward, and it's no harm, no foul. But I'm not very happy because he was my number one choice for the White Sox. It was I knew it was going to be a hard thing because he's very wanted, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted him because most of baseball likes Joe Espada. So. I'm just going to be disappointed in the interim and then see what they do as far as the manager and then reserve my total judgment for this hiring uh, process until that time. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a surprise, I think, just because he's one of the few people that we know they interviewed, uh, you know, from from various reports. Uh, But I think, you know, what have we been talking about all throughout this process with the White Sox is it's they are they keep quiet. They, they want to keep quiet. They don't want anything to be uh, out there in terms of what way they're leaning or who they're talking to multiple times or stuff like that. So obviously we have this small handful of names. Uh, it doesn't mean that that's the complete list. And, uh, and and we also don't know what goes on to bring up Azeguin in a different light, Herb. You know, obviously I think we're going to get to him in, later in this conversation, but the point being that you and plenty of other folks always talk about what happened the, when he got the, the White Sox job, which was he wasn't, you know, considered the favorite. He got an interview and he impressed. Perhaps there's somebody off the board or somebody that we're not thinking about here who did the same thing and has really impressed the White Sox. Um, just because Joe Espada is reportedly out uh, doesn't mean that, uh, you know, something was screwed up. It means that perhaps they found themselves a, a candidate that they like more. Um, and we'll see how that goes. It also, as you speculated, could be what everybody's kind of thinking, which is kind of be nice to be the manager and waiting for the best team in baseball, wouldn't it? Uh, so that's uh, certainly something that you can uh, speculate about, but that's all it really is until any of these two sides talk about it. Um, and knowing the White Sox are probably not going to get into uh, their conversations with someone who didn't end up getting the job. But um 
it is surprising, I think, just because mostly uh, the way that, that folks were thinking about him, I think far and away, probably the preferred candidate amongst White Sox fans, uh, you know, uh, especially uh, especially if you look toward the folks who are trying to maybe look toward the future instead of look toward the past. But uh, uh, it, it, it is a surprising turn of events. But again, it's we're operating without much of the information. We're operating with only a little bit of the information. And it's really hard to kind of figure out where this story has, how this story has progressed all throughout, because we don't know. We can only guess from what we, from the very little bit that we do know uh, from various reports around the league. Well, it's funny you bring up the fact that the White Sox want to stay quiet. You look at one of the managerial positions that's already been filled in the Miami Marlins. I don't remember Skip Schumacher getting an opening interview, right? I don't remember him being of the first round. And then all of a sudden he's a finalist. All of a sudden he's got the job. You look around the MLB, the Phillies have made their replacement. The uh, Blue Jays have made their replacement. The Angels have made their replacement. Miami has now hired their uh, their manager. So really the only two Texas jobs. Texas too. Uh, Texas hired Bruce Bochy as well. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the only two that are left, AL Central. Uh, you got the White Sox and the Royals. Yeah. So about that. That was true at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, October 30th. But right now, when I'm editing the podcast, 5.15 p.m. on October 30th, uh, that is no longer true. The White Sox are the only team in the major leagues without a manager. The Kansas City Royals, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, are hiring Matt Quattraro as their new manager. Quattraro, 48, has been the Rays bench coach and also worked in Cleveland. He's adored among players, coaches, and execs, and is regarded as the ideal type to shepherd the Royals' young core. Here's what I find interesting about this hire. Pedro Griefel, who is a candidate for the Chicago White Sox position, has worked for the Royals since 2013. My thought is, I don't think Pedro Griefel is the guy for anybody. It doesn't seem like he's even the guy for Kansas City. So I think we could cross him off the White Sox list. I think if the White Sox were going to hire anybody, if they were going to hire a bench coach, I think it was probably going to be Joe Espada or Matt Quattaro. With obviously the discussion we're having uh, on Scott Merkin's report on MLB.com that Joe Espada is no longer under consideration, doesn't seem like they're going to be going with a bench coach. It seems like they could be going with Kevin Long, the hitting coach from Philadelphia. It seems like they could be rewinding the clock and going back to Ozzie Guillen. Um, That's about it. Because, and I'm going to leave the conversation part of this podcast unedited because I kind of show my uh, ASS because I really thought that Matt Quattraro was the White Sox guy and I thought they were going to be hiring him soon. Uh, So I'm going to let you enjoy that talk. But Vinny, I think on the head, kind of feels the same way I do that Kevin Long it seems like is going to be the next manager of the White Sox but we do talk about Ozzy Guillen we do bring up the circumstances or the possibility of Ozzy Guillen returning to be the White Sox manager in 2023 I I ooh, 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 no no thank you oh god no 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 okay uh well enjoy the podcast uh Matt Cacharo is no longer a candidate and whenever you hear his name drink uh for me uh thank you and don't listen to this podcast and drive because, you know, then you'll be drinking and driving. And that's not good. And if we're looking at the list of managers or the list of candidates, Ozzie Guillen, Pedro Griefel, um, I would include Matt Quattraro. And then you would also throw in, did I say Ozzie already? Um, Kevin Long. Kevin Long would be the fourth name. Miguel um, Cairo. 
and Miguel Cairo. Thank you. Um, we haven't heard that he is out of the race. Um, we knew he'd got an interview too. Um, so those would be the five names. Uh, and just to recap again, uh, Pedro Grifo, uh, current bench coach of the uh, Royals, uh, now interviewing for the Royals and White Sox job. Ozzie Guillen, currently uh, on pre and post game for NBC Sports Chicago. Kevin Long, the hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. Matt Quacharo, the Rays bench coach. And then Miguel Cairo, the uh, past uh, interim uh, manager for the Chicago White Sox, past uh, bench coach for the White Sox under Tony Larissa. Let's start with Ozzy because in the Merkin report as well, um, he included some very interesting comments from Jerry Reinsdorf. So let's pick up the conversation here. Uh, Merckx did say uh, White Sox chairman Jerry Reinsdorf told Bob Nightingale of USA Today in 2017 that Guillen was a good manager and had recommended him for several positions that opened up, but he didn't think Guillen could return to the White Sox. I hope he ends up somewhere. He can help somebody. Reinsdorf told Nightingale at the time, he just can't come back here. He burned some bridges when he left here. I did hear um, from Shaden Reardon of 670 The Score. Um, he reported this on his podcast that Ozzy had a four and a half hour interview. And we know that the, the score guys are, are linked in with Ozzy um, just because he's always on that radio station. So um, I, they're they're interviewing Ozzy. I'm not sure if it was for the position, if it was maybe to mend some of those bridges. Um, he did also say one of the top decision makers had an assistant in the room. So you'd assume that probably be Jerry Reinsdorf, but that's just me assuming there. Um, so what do we make of Ozzy being interviewed and Ozzy being in the possible final four of these managerial rounds of interviews? I think we all said that they should throw a wide net out there and interview every and every, any and everybody. And that's what they're doing. If they're serious about fixing this problem, there's never a, a bad thing to go back to past success to see exactly if that success still can be in the future. Four and a half hours seems like a serious interview for me. And so it's good to interview him. It's good to talk to him, to get the baseball knowledge, to see if his baseball knowledge is still up to date. Because the last time he managed was 2012, I believe. And one year in Miami, he made some terrible comments about Castro, and especially in that climate down there, where there's a lot of former Cubans or Cubans who live in Miami. So he could not survive down there. I had heard him make those same comments here in Chicago, but it doesn't carry as much weight down in Miami. I mean, in Chicago, it does it, and it does it in Miami. At the end of the day, if they find Ozzy to be the best candidate, I will be fine with it, but I will know that there's got to be somebody better than Ozzy Guillen. I just, it's just another hiring that is so insular. It's so White Sox. I love Ozzy, but him and this White Sox team doesn't seem like a match for me, especially when we need something different. And the stuff that Rick Hahn talked about in the press conference in 2020 and 2022 is not Ozzy. And this would tell me that Rick Hahn probably didn't make this hire. And I know Kenny Williams didn't make this hire because the person Jerry Reinsdorf was talking about specifically was Kenny Williams. When Ozzy left in 2011, I believe that was with like, Mm-hmm. three games left in the season and they gave the job to uh, uh, Don Cooper in the interim. Another person that Ozzy uh, had bad blood with while leaving. So good for Ozzy, good for the White Sox for doing this and having a uh, open mind this time. Because I remember last time initially when he fired Ricky Renteria, he said Ozzy Guillen will not be the next manager. That's what Rick Hahn said. And I was, I appreciated that this time just throw a wide net and get anybody and everybody See if he might be the guy, because that's how you got Ozzy the first time where Jerry interfered and said, give him an interview, uh, Kenny, and see if he might be the guy. And he impressed him. 
and he turned out to be a great manager for the White Sox at that time. So if he does it again, I guess you can only say, hey, just do your best, Ozzy. I'll be rooting for him because I like like the man and I like the manager, but it wouldn't be an inspiring hiring for me. I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if Ozzy Guillen was hired as the next manager of the Chicago White Sox. Um, maybe I shouldn't have that opinion, uh, the way things have gone for this franchise for the last however many years, but um, it would be absolutely shocking to me if this was um, the way that things played out because Rick Hahn has stood up there and said, we can't, we can't do this. We can't keep doing this. Um, And whether or not that falls or whether that not that registers with everyone uh, uh, watching those press conferences as fans or everyone who works in that building, um, that is, what the reality is they can't keep doing this i mean tony larusa or ozzy Guillen, hiring ozzy Guillen in 2022 would be hiring tony larusa in 2020 it'd be the exact same thing and if if the the, the uh the hypocrisy from some White Sox fans on Twitter that you see that you know every time you look at a comment section on any of this hire ozzy hire right. ozzy hire ozzy <laughs> you're taking your you're taking your opinion of the person uh, and letting it color the move, right? Herb, you always talk about process so, uh, process versus results, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Ozzie Guillen is beloved because he won the, the team's most recent World Series. He's on TV every day. People find him funny and entertaining, and that's why they like him. For a number of reasons that we don't even need to get into because we've talked them to death, people did not like Tony La Russa. And so when the White, if the White Sox were when the White Sox hired somebody who hadn't managed in a decade – because he had a winning season where he took the, the White Sox to the playoffs several decades ago, uh, everybody thought it was a disaster because they didn't like Tony La Russa. And now, because they do like Ozzy Guillen, they want the White Sox to do that, even though you'd be hiring someone who hasn't managed in a decade because they took the White Sox to the playoffs in a previous decade uh, or two decades ago, to be, right. uh, to, to, to be fair to the, to the math there. So, um, Listen, uh, I think a lot of people would agree, and I think I would be among them that would say Ozzy Guillen would be a fine major league manager, a, a good hire as a major league manager somewhere in major league baseball. Uh, but putting him uh, as the next White Sox manager does not meet any of the criteria that they've laid forth for this job, uh, you know, and and really repeats the same if you want to call it a mistake, mistake that they just made when they gave the job to Tony La Russa because it's the exact same thing. You're you're mad that you're mad that Tony La Russa had been out of baseball for for ten years because the last time he managed, he won the World Series in 2011. Ozzie Guillen's been out of uh, hasn't managed uh, uh, in Major League Baseball since 2012, and his World Series win was seven years before that. So uh, you know you you got to you got to be able to see it both ways here. Uh, and and I'll say this: I think that. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf gets a, a lot of crap for for the loyalty thing uh, from fans. It, it's it's not a bad thing. It, it's it's a good quality to have is to be loyal. And I think you could read into this him Ozzy getting an interview here as Jerry wants to make sure that he's that Ozzy is still uh, is still in the you know getting his reps in right. You know, so the family so, members taken care of. Well, but I'm just saying my point being right. Yeah. So for for next year when there's a managerial opening, Ozzy can say. Well, I just interviewed for this a job last last offseason, and he interviewed for the Padres job the offseason before this one. So I, I think that this is a fine thing to do, but I don't think fans should be reading into it that 
this is the guy they're hiring because they talk for four and a half hours. Ozzy will talk to anybody for four and a half hours. Come on. <laughs> you, can, you remember 2005? That's you can two stop, questions. Remember Juan Uribe? He was about this big. You can stop him on the street, walking down walking down the uh, street in downtown Chicago, and he'll talk to you for four and a half hours, I'm right. sure. So, uh, no, listen, I, 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 I don't think that uh, – I, I think that Ozzy deserves a shot managing a Major League Baseball team again. I do not think that – managing this White Sox team is the right is the right fit because of what the White Sox themselves have laid out is what they're looking for. Right. No, you're 100% right about the, the White Sox possibly just doing this as a favor to get Ozzy's foot in the door somewhere else, because even in that Jerry Reinsdorf quote, he said, you know, I've been trying to get him a different job somewhere else. Um, and we talked about Mike Schilt even getting a managerial uh, interview because we think of the the connection that Tony La Russa has. And obviously, Tony and Jerry are, are close. So you'd assume that Mike Schilt possibly would be getting his name back out there in the managerial circles with an interview as well. So, no, I, I think it's a great connection there. Um, I, and while Herb was speaking, I downloaded this photo because you're 100 percent right uh those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it and uh you are, are literally just repeating such recent history it's it's making the same mistake over again it would make no sense for the white Sox to rehire ozzy Guillen. and like you guys mentioned the lack of success last time he won a division 2008 he's won two divisions in the nine years that he's managed that doesn't scream success to me and again, certainly not recent success no not you recent know, I mean, success and what and what what was rick Hahn's number one thing right we want right. <laughs> a, a manager who has winning experience with a, an organization that's contended in recent years that Ozzie does not fit that mold. No. You can you can you can debate whether you know the White Sox DNA thing was a legitimate criteria to have or not. But the number one criteria we want a guy who knows how to win in modern day Major League Baseball. Ozzie doesn't meet it because he hasn't been in the dugout since 2012. Right, and and since 2006, the White Sox DNA has been losers, and and not to you know, and and Ozzie Guillen was a part of that for about you know four years right there. Um, and just also uh, from the reporting side of this, uh, John Heyman did mention on the score that he would be shocked um, if Ozzie was uh, going to be the hire. He said, uh, "I still don't believe Ozzie's a viable candidate. There's very little chance of him being the hire." Um, and again, going back to the point of you know, if you didn't like if you didn't like the Tony Larusa hire because he hadn't managed since 2011, um, it's the same thing with Ozzie Guillen. His last year was 2012 um and now with that gap it's the same exact gap when tony larissa was hired honestly it probably is a little bit shorter because it was 2011 to 2020 uh, instead of 2012 to 2022 so i, I don't see the point of you know bringing ozzy Guillen back as a white and Sox as Vinny pointed out at least you could say with tony his last year was a championship yeah but ozzy's last year was embarrassment and well and other people disgrace. wanted uh, Tony LaRusso. I mean, that was one thing that Rick Hahn said was that he was surprised that Tony was even a candidate. People have asked him before, and this was the right spot for him. Um, it seems like any spot would be the right spot for Ozzy because he wants to manage. Yeah, correct. I, I, and I, I, I would be great if he would manage somewhere else on a yes. more fledgling team and shows that he still has it. I would root for Ozzy every time he played, every time his team would play, except for the White Sox games, but not the White Sox. No. That's not our. That's not what moves this team forward. And yeah. and I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bash Ozzy here, but I will point this out, which is Ozzy has wanted to manage for the last ten years, and no one has given him a job to do that. And you, you know, I, again, I I just said I think he deserves a shot. He's been a, a, a fine major league manager in the past. Um, you know, he's certainly as good probably as any number of other people you could come up with. Um, but he has made it very clear that he wants to to get another job. And no one has given him another job yet. And, you know, that it goes back to what I'm saying about what happens in these interviews and, and, and what our team's looking for. And 
it's just very possible that baseball has moved on from looking for that Ozzie Guillen type manager. And, and, you know, we keep hearing the whole, uh, whether it's with, you know, whether it's people talking about the White Sox or just people talking about baseball in general, you know, people who are really in sync with the front office who will, who will kind of carry out the same plan that the front office wants to put forward the whole, you know, getting the information, the stuff, the, the, the reasons that Joe Madden of all people is being kind of looked at as like, uh, kind of out of touch and out of date with today's teams and the way they want a manager to behave. Certainly as would fall into that category, um, of someone who is going to do his own thing. And again, that could lead to success, but it's not what teams are looking for. It seems. Yeah. If I t- tell you the list, uh, the five lists, there are five people that are still uh, under consideration, Pedro Grifo, Ozzie Guillen, Kevin Long, uh, Matt Quattro, Matt Quattraro, um, and then uh, Miguel Cairo, uh, who is the quote unquote leader in the clubhouse in your mind? For me, it's Matt Quattraro because of what Rick Hahn said recent success with a team that goes to the playoffs every single year, um, knowing how to do more with less and all the rest of those guys, Patrick Griefa, I don't know much about. And what I've read about him sounds impressive, but he's with the Kansas city Royals, you know, how much success have they had um, they won the world series? I mean, 2015, it's been he was a there. He was yeah, there. I know, but it's been a minute. Like that, that doesn't tell me that, that team is a playoff successful team. Like they did go to the playoffs. The Bruce Bochy has a Bruce Bochy hasn't won the world series since 2014. He just got yeah, a new but, job with the Rangers. Yeah. But he's actually got skins on the wall and is probably a hall of famer. Just like Tony was, I could have understood the Bruce Bochy move, but also I've been like, this is kind of like the Tony LaRusso move. Quattaro uh, checks most of the boxes that Rick laid out there. And just like a spot, I think would bring a different style of baseball to the White Sox that has been successful in recent baseball with the Houston Astros and with the Tampa Bay Rays. So out of those five guys, Quattaro would be my guy. I Kevin Long, I know he brings hitting to the table, and that is a big thing with the White Sox because you already got pitching pretty much established with Ethan Katz being on that side. That's very tempting, but I don't know if these guys like uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Nicholas Castellanos, uh, et cetera, on the Phillies are hitting because of, but you know, I know you brought up the point last week, Sean, about him swinging or changing a little thing about uh, Kyle yeah, swing I, and I, doing I, drills that are a little higher so he can reach the high fastball and drill him a little bit more. Cool. Awesome. But I don't know if that qualifies him as the manager. It might be the Peter principle where you're getting over promoted for something that you probably are not qualified for as yet. Yeah. Well, say- oh yeah, go ahead. I'll just say, I'll say this. There's a reason they haven't announced the manager yet, right? They're obviously not done with this process. And the uh, the big thing that we can point to is that the World Series is still going on. Um, now we've got a report that the guy who's, you know, the bench coach for the AL representative in the World Series is out of the running. Um, does that, does that hire come now before the end of the World Series? Or does that, do they still wait? Are they still waiting for that process to be done? Um, I think it would be, very strange for uh, Rick Hahn to head to the GM meetings, uh, which I be- believe begin a week from Tuesday, uh, to head to the GM meetings in Las Vegas without a manager being announced. So it's going to happen at some point in the next week, you would think. Um, but are they waiting because they need the World Series to be over uh, in order to finish this process, uh, whatever the end result of that process might be? 
Yeah, I'm not sure if that is exactly the reason why they're waiting. Uh, the White Sox announced Tony La Russa as the next manager. I believe it was on October 29th, and the World Series was still going on. Uh, it ended on November 2nd. So maybe now is the time that they end up announcing something. Uh, maybe it is this week. Uh, I, I would be surprised, especially with this, a spot or report coming out. I mean, it seems like there is a deadline. If it's going to be anybody besides Kevin Long, it's got to be, you know, probably before the World Series ends. And if it's Kevin Long, it's probably going to wait until the World Series ends. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting spot there. Um, just looking through the names, I, I think we can cross off Ozzy. Um, that's just my personal list. I would cross off Ozzy. I don't think he's going to get the manager. Everything that I heard uh, or have heard uh, says that he's not going to be the next guy. Pedro Griefall, it's an interesting thing because I, I there's like the a spot of things seems so odd. There was the report, and I know it's not from you know one of the bigger guys, but Mike Rodriguez back on October 21st, uh, he said that the White Sox named Joe Spada to be manager. Um, and then Mike Berman of Houston, the sports director of the Fox TV station down there, retweeted as well. And it just seemed like there was something going on there. And my assumption is I think Joe Spada might have been the guy. Um, I think that he wants that Astros job though. So I think his, his agent tried to play the socks a bit and I don't think they appreciated that. And that's why I think that they have Merck putting out a report like this. That's my assumption. Um, so I also think that Griefel and Espada might have the same agent, which I think might screw Griefel. So I think Espada might've screwed himself and he might've screw, screwed Pedro Griefel here. Um, and also too, I'd just be surprised if Griefel, the two jobs that are left are a place he's been at since 2013 and the White Sox. I just I don't know if the White Sox win that battle. I, obviously, they have a more enticing, talented team. They spend more money. Um, but I don't know if he wants to jump ship from the Royals to the White Sox. Um, Kevin Long, Matt Quattaro, and uh, Miguel Cairo are the other three names there. I would just eliminate Cairo because I, I haven't heard his name since Rick Hahn said it. Um, so I don't know if Cairo's still in there. Um, and then Kevin Long, obviously, he's still in the World Series. But the fact that Matt Quattaro really hasn't been reported on and – I reported that he had the first interview. He got a second interview. So it seems like he's still in contention. So I would be not shocked if Matt Quattaro got the job. So I would say it really does seem like it's coming down to Kevin Long and Matt Quattaro if we're trying to eliminate names and get a clear list here. So I would say those are the two guys. And then there could be people who have not been reported to have interviewed. True. I mean, Skip Schumacher came out of the woodwork. So, um, you know, we're, we're not sure. Maybe Miguel Cairo is their guy. And he's they're just been holding on to that, 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 uh, that, that playing, you know, playing card for a while. I'm, I'm not if sure it, here. And if it does end up to be Miguel Cairo after all they've interviewed, I would reluctantly say, you know what? I got to trust them because there's no other way. They They've interviewed a lot of people and they see that Miguel Cairo is the best and he did do a good job in the interim slash acting manager role that he had. At the end, they just you know were kind of disheartened by the Cleveland uh, beatdown they gave him on that Tuesday or that win that uh, Cleveland did in, uh, in extra innings. So I think if it did finish off to be Miguel Cairo, I would be fine with it. It would be a good move for the White Sox because I think he's been highly sought after four years before this as a guy that knows baseball and people love, and he's been more recently in the game, you know? So, and I don't know if it speaks to what Rick Hahn said that uh, had recent success, but the White Sox have been the playoffs in the two years that Miguel Cairo has been here, right? Or not this year, but. We came for the Yankees too. He was with the Yankees prior. So, I mean, that, so, that probably yeah, helps him as well. He's got success. Yeah. He's got the success. And I think he can uh, 
usher in a new era of White Sox baseball where he's the bench boss and it's just his job. He's not following orders. He's not underneath somebody else. And I want to see what that uh, that entails. Yeah, I just make a quick pitch for Matt Quattaro real quick. I know you mentioned Kevin Long and his ability to fix hitters. Uh, Matt Quattaro's uh, first big league job was with the Rays as a hitting analyst from, I think it was 2010 to 2013, minor league hitting coordinator from 2010 to 2013. Then he was the Cleveland hitting uh, assistant hitting coach for the 2014 season through the 2017 season. Then he was the race third base coach in 2017. And then after Charlie Montoya was promoted to the Blue Jays job, he took over as bench manager. So he's been the bench manager since 2018. Bench um, coach. Bench coach. Oh, thank you. Uh, for the, the, why, why is one a manager? One's a coach. What's going on here? Um, bench coach. Uh, but yeah, so he, he's had a, he has a hitting background as well. Kachara does. Um, so I would say that he seems like the guy that fits the bill the most that Rick Hahn was describing. I did like this quote from Anthony Record too. He uh, is an SNY analyst uh, and played with uh, the Cleveland organization in 2017 when Quattaro was the assistant hitting coach. And he said, I want somebody who is going to be there for the next 10 years. I want to find the next guy, not the guy who's already done it. And from my own experience with Matt, I take a chance on Matt. This is talking between him and Buck Showalter because he did come down to one of the final candidates for the Mets job. Record continues and said he understood how to interact with players, getting to know them on a personal level before suggesting any changes in what they were doing. I thought that was very important. He was a student of who you are first and not someone just telling you what to do. You learn to trust a guy like that. He's supremely intelligent and was very observant, very organized. And when he spoke, everything was already all well, well thought out. To me, those kind of people tend to be the best leaders. And just with the way that the White Sox have described it, they want winning culture Cleveland was winning when Matt Quattaro was there and the Rays have done nothing but win with a low uh, uh, payroll and I, I just think that you, you talk about the leader that Joe Espada was it doesn't seem like Matt Quattaro is too far off so I'd like the the man there I like the resume let's go that's that's my guy right now if, I, if I'm tying to a horse so uh, any final thoughts on the managerial situation before we jump into Dylan Cease's 2022 report card no all right I'm getting head shakes here okay I got one word for you it's ham okay I want to tell you about Green Ridge Farm. They are a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. And do you know why I know that? Because I've had their ham. I went to the Jewels, my friends, and I got their all-natural deli meat. I got the uncured tavern smoke ham, okay? And it was delicious. It's the best ham I've ever had in my life. It's made me a happier person, and I'm so excited to go to Jewel tomorrow. I just got back from Vegas, and all I want is deli meat and Green Ridge Farm has the best deli meat. Right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Again, three meat products at Green Ridge Farm and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart and those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Green Ridge Farm, simply natural meat. I've been doing this read for about eight months and I've really kept it by the books, but I'm going to keep it straight with you guys. Um, you ever take a, you ever hit a cigarette? Okay. I hit a cigarette in Las Vegas. It was disgusting. It was the worst thing I ever did. And I immediately hit a cigarette on the Vegas casino floor and I wanted my AG ones. I started taking AG ones back in March. <laughs> my girlfriend heard me. I started taking AG ones back in uh, March when we started chgo and i didn't bring the travel ag1 with me and it it was awful all right i had i had i hit a cigarette and all i wanted was my multivitamin it was <laughs> stop i'm doing my work 
Sorry for the interruption. All I wanted in Vegas was my multivitamin. And let me tell you, everyone was like, well, what is, how does it taste? It doesn't taste super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I look forward to each and every morning. Do you know what? I don't look forward to the taste of a, a, a cigarette. Um, all right. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Do not start your day off with a cigarette. <laughs> the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all more than a cigarette does okay um, it costs less than three dollars a day you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cigarette habit okay it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free or gluten free and i guess it says lifestyle friendly they're not trying i mean even if you smoke cigarettes they're not trying to i mean if if, if you do they they would also allow you to have ag1s and actually they'll make it easy for you to get athletic greens they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase again my big mistake was not bringing those travel packs with me all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgo sox again that's athleticgreens.com slash chgo socks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance all right let's jump into dylan cease's 2022 season and herb i gotta start with you Vinny gave him an a plus i'm giving dylan cease an a plus you gave him an a for results mm-hmm. what's going on here he led the league in walks. Oh, come on. To me, he's there's so much more. I'm a hard grader. There, there's so much more in there that Dylan Cease can do. Uh, the walks, while very more – I mean, last year in 2021, there was so many non-competitive pitches for Dylan Cease where he was trying to execute the slider, and it would just start in the left-handed batter's box and continue to move on. Very few of those this year. So improvement. He's improved as an actual pitcher. But you saw the dominance he had in the first half of this season and in a pre-All-Star game season where he was striking out, uh, I think, 12 or 13 run, uh, batters per nine. And then, I don't know, out of either adjustments or fatigue or something else, he was down to about nine strikeouts per nine in the second half of the season. So – he, I think, needs to work on his stamina to keep that level of pitching up. And these are the second year that he's pitched 32 year, uh, thirty-two games and started 32 games where his innings are only about in the 170s. I need him to go further into games, go a little deeper into games, which he was doing in the second half of the game. And I commend him for doing the things that he needed to do because earlier in the season, he was only going five or six innings, striking out a bunch of people. And maybe this was the adjustment of him. It's like, you know what? I like striking people out, but also weak contact is just as good. Getting out quicker so I can last longer into the game is better. And so that's what I'm going to do. And you can see Dylan Cease do exactly that. So A is great, guys. Yeah, A plus is exemplary. But I don't think he was exemplary. When you lead the league in walks, it's a check mark for me. It's a it's a negative for me. So I gotta mark him down from the A plus to an A. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. You can give him overall for the group an A plus, but for me, it's an A. I think he has much more to prove, and there's a little meat on that bone for Dylan Cease. He was spectacular. He was spectacular this year. And and Herb, I, I think that uh Dylan's probably sitting at home thinking the same thing. Man, I gotta get them walks down. You know what I mean? I I think he's probably thinking the same thing. That being said, uh 
the thing you said right there at the end is is also very true. And and all his sock, all these White Sox people think the same thing, which is, okay, that was great, and he can be better. You know what I mean? Like as spectacular as he was this year, whether it's Ethan Katz that you talk to, whether it's Lucas Giolito that you talk to, whether it's uh, you know anybody really in that clubhouse, they're like, yeah, this is the guy we always thought he could be, and we also think he can be better. Uh, and and that's crazy to think because he was so so good this year, one of the best pitching seasons by a White Sox pitcher probably ever. Um, you know, he's going to finish second or third in the Cy Young vote. Uh, he And he deserves that spot because he was one of the best pitchers in the American League this year, no doubt about it. He is a guy that if he can continue on that upward trajectory or, you know, maybe he's not going to make another giant leap like he did between 21 and 22 or even the one he made between 20 and 21, um, he's shown that he can be one of the most effective arms there is. And to put that at the top of your starting rotation, man, we, we're going to be talking an awful lot about how the White Sox can fix some of the big problems on this team. One thing that is not one of the big problems on this team is the starting rotation. And Dylan sees obviously has a lot to do with why that is the case. So he was just excellent this year. I, I, I really, if you're comparing him to, to pitchers around baseball, to pitchers that you've seen pitch in the White Sox uniform, there's really not, much better he could have done. And you're absolutely right, Herb, that he led the league in a stat that you don't want to lead the league in, and he's probably stewing about it. But uh, imagine what can come next for Dylan Cease because he's still young, he's still developing, and he's, he managed to do this while still doing all those things. So, um, yeah, I don't see any any grade that I could possibly give him besides an A-plus this year. Yeah, I'm going to go A plus just because I wasn't expecting this. And Dylan was a, a very interesting player to watch in 2021 because he started off so poorly. His month of April was so awful. I think his first pitch strike was around or under 40%, which is like ma- minor league level. So the fact that he was able to go from that to what he did starting on May 29th this year and going 14 straight starts without giving up one or more earned run, like it was just incredible and it was incredible to watch this player blossom um and i think he's going to get an a plus for results sorry herb i understand he led the league in walks but the thing that he did do was he would walk guys on but he would he consistently be able to to get that weak contact and we never saw him get hurt by those base runners right i mean we we saw him get hurt by solo shots we see i think of the arizona game uh where they got two solo shots off him and they end up losing that game and get swept um in tony larusa's final um game as white Sox manager like it was just it was bizarre to see this player take that big of a step. And I don't really expect to step backwards. Maybe that's just me. Um, and, and, but we can look at the players that are currently in the rotation, like Lucas Giolito. I don't think we were expecting him to take that big of a step back. So um, Herb, do you think that the walks could get out of control? Do you think that that's something that they really needs to worry about where that could be the thing that really undoes it for Dylan Cease as he starts losing this command and he just becomes very, very wild. No, I think that Dylan Cease has improved from a standpoint. You said early in the season he was walking a decent amount of people. I think at the end of the year, the walks had been like piling up so much in the first half. There was no way that he could, you know, escape from a high walk total at the end of the year. I think by, you know, paring down and not go for the strikeout as much as he was in the first half he also eliminated the walk factor too. So I think an off season where he's just f- focused on getting strike one because he has elite stuff. We all see this. We said this in his rookie year 
that he has probably the best stuff out of any pitcher in that White Sox rotation where they had Lucas Giolito going off at that time. They had Michael Kopech in the system, and he was still thought of as the best stuff. And people talk about his stuff being electric. The best pitch in baseball was his slider this year. So I don't see him slipping off as far as uh, control, command. I see him just building on a strong season. What is he, 26 years old? Not even in his prime yet. I see just great things for Dylan Cease. The fact that he changed his his management team and his agency the beginning of the year from just, I forgot who they was, to Scott Boris tells me that he has confidence in himself and understands that he's going to be something special and he's going to get that bag when he's a free agent. So, yeah, I have no worries with Dylan Cease. I think we've all said it. It's all up in his head. Uh, success, failure is Dylan Cease's thing. And I think now he knows his stuff is good. He walks with that walk. He wrote a damn poem about his damn slider and put it on a shirt. Wasn't afraid of the ridicule, even though that poem was terrible. He hey, wasn't afraid of any of that. The hey. end was terrible, Sean. It was oh, terrible. Come on. Art. Beautiful. Beauty is in the eye <laughs> of the beholder, Sean. Or, uh, Herb, it's art. Yeah, and so not Herbie Sunshine to you. That's confidence, man. When you can just send out yourself and say, "Hey, man, I don't give a damn. I'm I'm Dylan C's. and I feel like he knows that he's Dylan C's now, and that's deadly for any person to understand that he can throw anything over the pitch, over the plate, with confidence, and know that they can't hit it. That's what Liam Hendricks said when he first got here. He's like, "I'd rather throw a bad pitch with 100 confidence than a good pitch with zero. And Dylan Cease has 100% confidence in his stuff, so I don't see him going down, especially not with the command and control. Uh, Dylan's going to be 27 in December. Mercy. And remember what the job is, guys. Sean, I'm sure you've got a whole list of, uh, you know, uh, jumbled up letters to tell me about what Dylan, yeah. how good Dylan Cease was this year. <laughs> but remember what the job is. The job is not to post a good number in any one of those, uh, in any one of those categories. The job is to not let the other team score runs. Mm-hmm. And as often as Dylan Cease might have been putting guys on base for the from the free pass, nobody was scoring on him. You remember that stretch, Sean, that you brought up, the, the 14 straight starts, one or fewer earned runs in, in those all consecutive games. There were some games in there where he was not good. <laughs> there were some games in there where he put a ton of guys on base, but you know, because of defensive problems behind him or you know, his own ability to get out of those jams, uh there weren't earned runs on the board against him. And so uh, he kept that streak alive, even through games where he didn't really pitch very well um, because the job is to keep people from scoring. And if, if, if that's what you succeed in, look at Johnny Cueto. I, I don't think Johnny Cueto's leading the league in any, uh, any of the, any, any big stat or any normal or uh, traditional stats or any uh, out non-traditional stats, but Johnny Cueto did a great job of not letting anybody cross the plate this year. And he was fantastic. Dylan Cease has that had that same ability this year, even if he was doing it in a different way. And uh, you got to applaud somebody who's able to do that because guess what? They did their job and they did it very, very well. Right. And I know some people will probably be like, oh, well, he was lucky because he let up so many base runners and stuff like that. But I mean, that's baseball. You know, half of baseball is luck. Um, but it seemed like Dylan has made those adjustments, especially with Ethan Katz, to just become a more controlled pitcher and i i would use control a little bit different just because he's not like you I mean, he still led the league in walks um 
but the, the body is just more under control and he's throwing sliders now about 45 percent of the time so getting that over for a strike is difficult and the fact that he's getting it over as much as i think he can um is, is probably the most impressive thing for dylan and you mentioned you know run control or at least um you know snuffing out runs uh this is since 1995 and this is a traditional stat Vinny, so your head won't spin on this one. Uh, since 1995, with at least 150 innings pitched, the lowest amount of earned runs allowed in a season was Chris Sale's 2014. Uh, he pitched 174 innings and allowed 42 earned runs. That is an ERA of 217. Dylan Cease had an ERA of 220 and 184 innings, so 10 more innings. He allowed 45 earned runs. So those are the top two seasons in least amount of earned runs given up since 1995 for any White Sox pitcher. And just to include the next two, um, because they're on their team, uh, Lance Lynn in 2021 allowed 47 earned runs in 157 innings, so less than Dylan right there and more earned runs. And then Johnny Cueto uh, coming in fourth, 59 earned runs allowed in 158 innings uh, and one-third. So, I mean, you just look at it, the amount of volume there, 184 innings, 45 earned runs. I mean, I got no problem with 78 walks, Herb. Yeah, I, and I, and too ahead. you you asked Sean you asked this before you asked this before the show you know this is the best White Sox pitching season since what and I think the answer is obviously Chris Sale in 2014 but here's the thing you didn't mention too Chris Sale what's Chris Sale famous for doing striking out a lot of guys remember that K zone mm -hmm. uh, that you know down down the left field line uh, Dylan Cease in ten more innings. 19 more strikeouts than Chris Sale had that year uh, in 2014. Uh, the ERA plus um, for Dylan Cease last year was uh, this past season was 180. Chris Sale that year was only 173. The only person that I found in the entire uh, millennium, by the way, the current millennium that we're in, um, to qualify as a starting pitcher and have a higher ERA plus in a single season than Dylan Cease. Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, These are White Sox pitchers? White Sox pitchers, yes. I would say uh, Esteban Loaiza. Esteban Loaiza had an ERA plus of 159 in 2003, so well below Dylan wow. Cease. The correct answer, unless Sean wants to venture a guess. Is it funny? Mildly. Dallas Keuchel? <laughs> no. Oh, no. no, well, his ERA plus was way higher, but that 2020 season, season every, everything got thrown out the window. Did you know in 2020, by the way, that Alex Colomay's ERA plus was over 550? <laughs> <laughs> but no, the correct answer to the question would be 2021, Carlos Rodon had oh, a, an ERA plus of 185. Obviously, the numbers were not as good uh, as Dylan Cease's, mostly because he threw uh, more than 50 fewer innings. But uh, Carlos Rodon had a higher ERA plus. Other than that, it really looks like Dylan Cease has had the best season of any White Sox starting pitcher since the year 2000. He won't win the and Cy Young, even though we made the shirt. And think about that. You're talking about the 2014 year. And you say the ER plus 173 to Dylan Cease is 180 this year. Dylan Cease had a higher strikeouts per nine than Chris freaking Sale in the middle of his dominance of a White Sox pitcher. Chris Sale that year was 10.8 uh, strikeouts per nine. This year, Dylan Cease is 11.1, .1, which is Chris Sale's uh, career mark. And what is the best ability? Availability. Chris Sale... While pitching 26 games, it was only 26 games. The last two years, Dylan Cease has posted every single time he needed to. 32 starts last year, 32 starts this year. And so that's what is more impressive to me than the Chris Sale year, where he finished third in Cy Young voting in 2014. 
Dylan Cease outdueled him, was a better pitcher than what Chris Sale was in 2014, which is just mind-blowing to me. Just amazing year by uh, Dylan Cease. And like I said, he can be better. Yeah, no, absolutely. And especially if he's able to figure out that curveball, because I mean, if the fastball and fastball location is always going to be something he needs to improve. That's basically every pitcher. Um, if you're not Justin Verlander, um, but the, the, the curveball, if he's able to take that to the next level and not even to the next level where, you know, his, his slider was this year. Um, but if he's able to just to improve it a little bit, if he's able to get it just a little bit more nasty, uh, I, I think like the, the sky is the limit with Dylan Cease. Um, you bring up Carlos Rodon too, just looking at uh, the leaderboard for strikeouts in 20. 2022 Dylan Cease finished fifth with 227 Aaron Nola fourth at 235 Carlos Rodon who teams didn't want to sign because they probably didn't think he could throw an entire season through I think about six innings less than Dylan Cease and had 10 more strikeouts uh Corbin Burns second at 243 and Garrett Cole at uh first 257 so um love that you brought up the Carlos Rodon stat I'm always down for a Carlos Rodon stat um and and yeah it, it is great to at least see Dylan step up for what Carlos Rodon left behind um but really the big thing was Lucas wasn't as good uh Lancelin was injured wasn't as good um they were dealing with Michael Kopech jumping into the starting rotation um it is clear that Dylan Cease is the uh the ace of this staff and I, I would I would agree with many I'd say this is the best White Sox season at least since the wild card era I mean a, a lot of it gets weird with Wilbur Wood throwing 400 innings and having an 11 war uh, I don't know about all that um but yeah at least since 1995 uh I, I would say that this is probably the best White Sox starting season ever uh, 6.4 war for Dylan this year. Uh, Chris Sale back in 2013 uh, was 6.5 back in 2014. It was 6.1. Uh, do we know the best war season for a, for a White Sox starter since 1995? Um, oh, okay. Since 95. I was going to say Ed Walsh. Um, yeah. e, uh, Jose Contreras. No, you already said his name. It's Esteban Loiza. Damn it. <laughs> 2003 all-star starter at your uh, guaranteed right fielder back then us cellular all right um just to get into the final report card here uh we're giving an a plus sorry again herb uh to dylan sees oh, for results nice. because it was the best white Sox season since 1995 for stuff and command i gotta give him an a plus as well um you look at where he started off this season his stuff plus was at a 120 um and this is before the may 29th game um so this is before the streak started so how did, you know, where did he end up after the streak? Uh, so before the streak, his stuff plus was at 120. His location plus was at 101.4. His pitching, pitching plus was 107.6. He ended with a stuff plus of 123, location plus of 97.1, pitching plus of 105.2. So he basically stayed around that level. Um, and with pitchers with 200 plus pitches with uh, a pitching plus of 105, Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander, Jose Barrios, George Kirby, Carlos Rodon, Logan Webb, Sandy Alcantara, Christian Javier, Drew Rasmussen, Jose Urquidy, uh Julio Urias, Aaron Nola, Zach Allen, Hunter Green, you Darvish, and Corbin Burns. So all aces of their staff. So what he did was was truly uh, next level. And the guy that he was really tied with in pitching plus uh, was Justin Verlander. They both sat about at 105.2. Funny enough, those are going to be uh, probably one, two in, in the Cy Young there. Uh, do we think anyone sneaks in, sneaks up? I mean, Garrett Cole did have like 260 strikeouts and 200 innings. So do we think that he might slip up into uh, the top two? Or do we think it's going to be Verlander Cease uh, finishing out the AL Cy Young voting? Maybe Valdez for what he did in the uh, quality starts. Mm -hmm. Maybe he sneaks up there. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, that's probably the guy I'm thinking, if any. But, yeah, it's been Verlander Cease for a long time. So unless people just have recency bias and they saw what 
he got the record for quality starts and they want to give him a throw, throw him a vote ahead of Cease. Maybe he get jumps ahead of him, but I think Cease finishes in the top three, no matter what. Yeah. A lot of good pitchers in the American league this year. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, it's not like he'd be screwed out of it by somebody, but, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, it's probably going to be Verlander Cease. That would be my thought on it. But, uh, uh, Manoa from Toronto had a really nice year too. I'd, I'd, you know, it, maybe that's, you know, a fourth or fifth place finisher right there, but uh, certainly very deserving of uh, consideration as well. But like I said, uh, a lot, a lot of really good pitchers in the American league this year. Uh, you mentioned Garrett Cole, um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer for, for Dylan. Obviously he deserved to be on that all-star team. Uh, didn't make it. And now probably going to uh, fall just a, a couple of really good starts short of maybe winning the Cy Young. So um, I think the, the sentiment within the White Sox clubhouse though, is that he's going to be in this conversation for uh, a, a few years moving forward. It's, this right. is not a, this is not a one shot kind of thing for him. He's only 27. Um, yeah. And, and you've been in uh, voting situations before you, I mean, you have a vote uh, for, for some of the postseason awards. Um, I think back to the 2015 NL Cy Young or Jake Arrieta ended up winning because Clayton Kershaw and Zach Greinke split the vote. Um, I don't, it's probably a long shot, but Justin Verlander and uh, Framber Valdez on the same team. Do we think that there's a way that they split the vote and Dylan could backdoor this in any way? Uh, or is Verlander really. the guy? I mean, I think Verlander has had that season long, like you guys described, kind of that season long dominance. And and obviously, too, the household name is a is a future first ballot Hall of Famer, I would imagine. So um, he he is probably somebody who is going to dominate anybody's, uh, you know, who just looks up. Oh, well, the Astros had a great pitching staff. Who who was doing it for them? Kind of thing. Right. I think I think everybody knows that Justin Verlander had a phenomenal year. Um, and and like you said, the, the season long discussion probably keeps him at the top of that. Uh, but certainly the Astros did have a phenomenal starting rotation and had a few guys that uh, that definitely deserve to be in the mix when it comes to uh, talking about the best pitchers in the American League. I think that split the vote thing is when people take a look at teams that are really good teams and say, uh, you know, oh, who was the guy who did it the most for this team kind of thing? And sometimes it's, it's a real question. You know what I mean? You think back to the Boston Red Sox days of when Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz were, were really kind of thought of as one <laughs> one collective thing. And then you get to, uh, you get to a, a situation where you got to make an MVP vote and you can only pick one of them. So I think that's probably what that's a, uh, that is leaning toward a little bit more when you talk about splitting the vote uh, uh, instead of this year, when it comes to the Astros and uh, uh, Verlander, who was their clear uh, top guy all year long. You good, Herb? I'm good. All right. Well, that's going to be the show. Uh, shout out to Dylan Cease. He gets an A-plus for this year. Uh, easily the best White Sox uh, overall, uh, hitting or pitching. Uh, I don't, you know, maybe Jose Abreu would be in that conversation, but it's really just those two uh, that really shine the brightest for the White Sox this year. So congrats to Dylan Cease on his 2022. It'll be very, very interesting to see what happens with his uh, 2023 season. And we'll see what he can do as the first, you know, his first season as the full-time ace, uh, quote-unquote, uh, of this White Sox staff. And again, we didn't mention it enough, I think think uh, but the slider really just took him to that next level and now that MLB pitchers are throwing sliders more than they ever had uh, it's probably going to be real difficult for people to hit Dylan Cease which will be great for White Sox fans to watch and Herb mentions it the next big thing that you got to watch out for is obviously if he can continue this but what happens with his future because a guy like this is going to get paid handsomely Garrett Cole got over 300 million dollars so can Dylan Cease become a 300 dollar uh, 300 million dollar pitcher We'll have to see, um, but that's for a different episode 
a long, long time from now. Uh, we will join you tomorrow. It will be a live remote show. Um, we might have a guest. We might not. We'll figure that out. Uh, but it should be a fun show regardless. We'll keep up report card grades. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for the CHGO White Sox live show. See you then. Bye.